The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning. Good morning. There we go. I couldn't tell if it was on. Sorry. My name is Zane. I am one of the pastors here at Westway. And before we get started, I just want to let I just want to tell you guys something on Wednesday nights in youth group. One thing that we started doing this semester is called Good News Wednesday, where we do Good News Wednesday, and the kids will like they'll raise their hand and they say something that they just want to celebrate, that they want to praise God for something that happened that week. A lot of time it's, I got a good test score, or I did really good running the two-mile in track, or I got a hole-in-one in my golf match, meet, game, I don't know what you call golf stuff. And so it's just something, and then we play a song, uh, Jump Around by House of Pain, jump around, jump around, and we all just like celebrate with them, and we dance, and it's just, really it's a time to honor God, and it's to praise God. And so it's not Wednesday, it's Sunday. So I'm going to do a good news Sunday. And I just want to praise God that we have, I mean, they're not up here anymore. That'd be weird if they still were. But we have these young people, they're in the back, who are willing to use their talents, that they're willing to get up on stage and play. Because when I was in high school, getting up in front of a bunch of people, that was a big no-no, but they're using their gifts and talents that God has given them. So I just want to praise God for that because that was a really good set, and I just want to praise God for everything he's doing. Also, I am very excited for two reasons. If this is your first time joining us, you guys picked an excellent Sunday to join us for two reasons. One, we are starting a new series. We're going to be talking about intergenerational church and what that looks like and why that's important. But it's also our Blessing Sunday, where we get the opportunity to recognize those high school graduating seniors. And a little later, they'll come up here and they'll stand and their parents are going to read a blessing over them. And it's going to be really awesome. So I am glad that you guys are here to see that, that you're able to participate. And with that, I'm going to pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather as your body, Lord. And I pray that you be with us through this service. I pray that you open up our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear what you have to say, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So once again, starting a new series, intergenerational ministry. And I know a while ago, if you would have asked me, well, what's the difference between being an intergenerational church and a multi-generational church? My response would have been, I, I don't know. And so I'm sure there's some of you out here that think the same thing. Well, what's the difference between intergenerational and multi-generational? Well, that's a great question, and I want to answer that for you. You see, a multi-generational church is, it's accidental to be multi-generation. The generations within the church coexist due to maybe shared geography. 
This just happens to be the closest church to my house, so I'm going to go here. Or maybe just family structures. Well, my great-grandpa started this church 60 years ago, so I have to show up because my family expects me to show up. It is not because the people, the generations in a church, share the same mission or they want to build meaningful relationships across the generation. And because they don't share the same mission, because they don't try building these relationships, multi-generational churches usually result in siloed generational segments where we say, kids, you go over there, youth group, you go over there, parents, you go over there, grandparents, you go over there. And because of that, there is limited interaction between the generations. And really, and I'll, I'll discuss more of this age group a little later down the road, but when you're just a multi-generational church and you put generations into silos and you don't have them interact with each other, that's when it can get dangerous for our older adults because we fail to address the social isolation that they face not being able to get out into the church. So I want you to picture with me just how sad it would be if here at Westway Christian Church we say, kids, you go over here and don't you ever leave that area until you graduate into the youth group. And then youth group, don't you ever leave your area. Parents, younger adults, you stay over here. Don't you think about stepping anywhere else. And grandparents, you can just stay over there. Just kind of do what you want to do, but don't leave your silo. You see, multi-generational churches are dangerous because there is no unity among the body. Romans 12, 4 through 5 says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. So when we separate the generations into their own little category, what we're essentially doing is dismembering the body. And when we are dismembered, it's going to be pretty hard for us to do the will of God as a church. And I know this is kind of grisly sounding, but that's okay. When we separate the age groups, it's like we're putting all the legs of the body in one area, all the arms of the body in one area, all the eyes, all the nose. You see, each part of the body has a specific role that they need to fulfill. Has anyone ever had an injury to like your arm or maybe just a body part you didn't think was necessarily important? And then you're, you injured it, and you couldn't use it, and then you realized, oh, wow, <laughs> I actually use my pinky more often than I thought. And now that I can't use my pinky, I realize just how important my pinky is. One of my favorite sporting things 
is the NFL draft. Where are you going with this, Zane? Well, I'll tell you. And it was last week, and it's Thursday night, Friday night, all day Saturday, and our TV was on the draft all rounds long. And, I mean, you get to the point where I'm like, yeah, my team drafted this guy, even though I literally just heard him five seconds ago. I have no idea who this guy is. But I get pumped up for him because the cool thing about the NFL draft is, I guess, there's hope, you know. You're getting all these new players that you hope is gonna, they're going to come in, make a difference to the team that's already there. And, and so you have these teams that are filled with a bunch of different positions, and that's what makes it a team. If you had a team that was just strictly 57 quarterbacks, but you have no linemen, your team's not going to be very good. Or if your team consists of 57 linemen and you have no other position, you're not going to win very many games. Or if a team is just running backs, they may be athletic, but I'm sorry if anyone in here is a Chicago, or not Chicago, a uh, Dallas Cowboys fan. They tried a game, a play at the very end of their season where a running back snapped a ball and the defensive lineman threw him like a rag doll because that is not the job of the running back. And so a football team is a team made up of a bunch of different players who have their own special talents, which they contribute to the team. They all don't have the same talent. And so it would be silly if a team was just quarterbacks and they expect to win very many games. And so while inherently... We are a multi-generational church because we have multi-generations represented here. We don't want to just stop there. You see, being multi-generational is easy because all you have to do is have two generations represented and boom, there you go. Congratulations. You are now multi-generational, but intergenerational. That is a choice, and it is a hard choice to make because you are taking different people from different families with different backgrounds, different economic statuses, different races, different genders, different political views, and joining them all together under the same mission, vision, and value. You see, intergenerational ministry is intentional, and it is interactive. Intergeneration is rooted in the core values of intentionality, relations, and equality. You see, there is deliberate work at building relationships across all age groups to share the same identity and the same calling. Gen On Ministries, which is an organization who really focuses on intergenerational ministries, this, this is what they say about it. Intergenerational ministry develops disciples and energizes churches by bringing together any combination of at least two generations in planned and purposeful settings, empowering multiple generations to mutually invest in each other and in their faith community. I could go on and on about how Westway is intergenerational. 
We just saw it up here this morning with the youth playing. But that's the rest of the series. I'll let Joe and Cody handle that part. Today, I want to focus on the why. Why is it so important to be intergenerational? Well, I think an intergenerational church belongs, or it starts in the home. Why? Because it's the parents' job to disciple their children. I'm going to read Psalm 78, 2 through 8. It says, For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us, We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. They will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. So if discipleship is the responsibility of family, why then should the church strive to be intergenerational? Well, it's because one of the church's jobs is to come alongside families to support, to encourage, and to equip them to do the best that they can. How many of you are currently parents? I mean, well, how many of you are parents, whether they still live with you or whether they have grown up and moved out? Okay, so quite a few of you. How many of you has this ever happened to you? You tell your kids something. You don't tell them once, you don't tell them twice, you don't tell them three times, four times, five times, 20 times, and they just don't get it. And then a trusted adult comes along in their life and says the exact same thing to them that you have been telling them for, I don't know, however long, and your kid goes, oh my gosh, That is such great advice. I wish someone would have told me that. How many of you, has has that ever happened to you with your kids? You see, one thing that an intergeneration church provides is mentorships across all of the generations. And there are several examples in the Bible of mentor, mentee, relationships. Here's just a few of them. You have Jethro mentored Moses, Moses mentored Joshua, Eli mentored Samuel, Samuel mentored Saul and David, Elijah mentored Elisha, Jesus mentored the 12 apostles who established the Christian church, the apostles mentored hundreds of other leaders, including Paul, Paul mentored Titus, Timothy, and many others, Timothy mentored faithful men, such as Epaphras Epaphras and the other faithful men, mentored others also, which led to a chain reaction 
that resulted in dozens of new churches across Asia. Ultimately, this specific mentoring chain is the beginning point of our churches today. So why do I think mentoring relationships are so important within the context of our church body? Well, believe it or not, there are immature Christians out there. But there are also mature Christians out there. Ephesians 4, 14 says this. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will be influenced when people, or we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. And so at some point, hopefully, we graduate from being immature to mature because when we are immature, that's when we can easily fall into this prey of people trying to trip us, to trick us, to make us sway away from Christ's teachings. But if we surround ourselves with mature Christians who are mature in their faith, who are willing to walk with us, who help us grow and reach this level of maturity, amazing things will happen. This is what Paul says. He continues to saying, verse 15, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. So when we continue to mature in our faith through reading and studying scripture, through praying, through understanding that we each have our own role in this body, we will, be, we will grow more and more like Christ. I'm going to do an exercise. Don't fall asleep on me, though. I need you all to close your eyes. Everyone close your eyes. If I see your eyes open, I'm calling you out in front of everybody. Not really. But I want you to picture this for a second. Picture the people of Westway. Maybe picture someone specifically in your mind where you are helping them and others in becoming the part of the body that they are meant to become. The entire body is growing to be healthy. The entire body is full of love. Just imagine how amazing this, well, this place is amazing, but just imagine how amazing this place would be if we all come together and just help each other, to help each other grow. Imagine what we can do for the county of Scotts Bluff if we are a church that helps each other. You can open your eyes. And if your eyes aren't open, I'm going to call you out because I'm just going to think you're sleeping. And so I was thinking about this mentor relationship between the mentor and the mentee. And, and I was kind of thinking, well, big brother, big sister, or a, you know, a senior citizen bringing an 
elementary kid under their wing, and I think we need to take that view and throw it out the window because the kingdom of God is for everybody, and it doesn't matter how old you are, you could still benefit from a mentor relationship. I want to read Acts 2, 38 and 39. It says, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. You see, it doesn't matter if you're young or you're old or if you're in school, if you're in elementary school, a college student. You see, everybody has the opportunity to come to Christ. And you can be a 72-year-old lady who has just accepted Christ for the first time in your life, and just because you're 72 and you've lived life long enough that people may consider you wise does not necessarily mean that you are a mature Christian because you are so new to the faith. And so we need to stop thinking that the mentor always has to be older than the mentee because a 38-year-old lady could come aside this 72-year-old lady and mentor her and walk with her in her faith to show her what it means to live a life that brings honor to Christ. When we are an intergenerational church, I believe one of the things we will, we will inherently accomplish is what James tells us in James 1, 27. He says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows. As far as I know, we don't have actual orphans running around our church. But what I do know we have, based on what I'm hearing and seeing, especially on Wednesday nights in the children's program, is that we have spiritually orphaned children in our church. Yes, we have quite a few children who have loving homes, who, whose parents pray with them, teach them about Jesus, they eat meals together. But we also have a lot of children, like I said, especially on Wednesday nights, who don't get any of that. They come from broken families, and when they're here on Wednesday nights, those are the only two hours of the week where they hear Jesus loves for you, or Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you, Jesus wants a relationship with you. And the other 166 hours of the week, they don't hear a single thing about Jesus. When I graduated from Manhattan Christian College, one of our requirements to graduate is we had to do this thing called a direct field experience, uh, DFE for short, and it's essentially a 400-hour internship. And so I did mine between the summer of my junior, senior year. I did it at a church in North Carolina that my parents were attending at the time. And through that DFE, I went on the camp trip with them. And during that camp trip, there was a lot of drama. 
especially between the junior hires. It was like, I like you, but you don't like me, but you like them, and I'm just really jealous, and so I'm going to do things very annoying and get everyone mad at me, and we're going to fight and yell. And honestly, it was exhausting, it was annoying, and it was ruining the trip for everybody else. And so the main leader, she asked me, can you just speak to the entire youth group this uh, tonight, just see if we can get past this? And I said, sure. I can do that, and so I. Uh, so we talk, and I. Uh, I said something along the lines of the, like this. All this crap you guys are doing just sucks for everybody else that is here, and we're not having fun because of you guys. And so the night went on. The leader pulled me aside and said. Hey, when you're addressing people in a crowd like that, you don't use the word crap or sucks. And I said, oh, okay. Well, I am telling you all this because I'm about to use the words crap and sucks. So the crap that our third, fourth, and fifth grade classes are going through sucks. I'm going to read you some of their prayer requests that our teachers in the third, fourth, and fifth graders class on Wednesday nights get almost every single night. There's at least four of them who have at least one parent in jail. There's some of them who have at least one parent dead. Some of them, their parents are going through ugly divorces. Some of these kids already have anger issues. Some of these kids have parents who are constantly smoking and cussing at them. Some of them have medical things going on. Some of them have family members in the hospital, and some of them, as third, fourth, and fifth graders, already have toxic friendships because they were never taught how to make friends. And these are third, fourth, and fifth graders. And I understand that everybody is going through something. I'm not I'm not up here saying only third, fourth, and fifth graders have it rough. The rest of you are doing good. But being an intergenerational church means that people of different generations, caring adults, caring youth group members, go up to these kids and say, hey, I am sorry that you are going through all of this. I know I don't have the words that can fix it, but I know somebody who loves you and wants to walk with you through all of this. Another group that we have here is that we have quite a few shut-ins here at Westway Christian Church. And one thing that the leadership team does every single week, either a pastor or an elder will call them and just seeing how they're doing, visiting with them, getting any prayer requests, just, just a check-in, and that's something that happens every single week. And I, I know just a month or so ago, all four of us pastors took a day, and we just went out, and we visited all of our shut-ins. And I thought that we were going to go encourage them, and I think all four of us pastors can safely assume we left that day feeling even more encouraged that they encouraged us, I think, more than we encouraged them. 
But I also know that every single shut-in that we visited, they want to be here on Sunday mornings. They want to participate in what is happening here on Sunday mornings. And I know every single one of them said, we love that you guys live stream so we can at least feel like we are a part of what is going on. And so being an intergenerational church means that we don't forget about them either. So we can pray for them. We can involve them by just you guys calling them, writing them notes, whatever that looks like. If that's something you want to do, just come in, call the church, and we would be more than willing to give you any addresses that you need. One thing that I really love, and I love that I'm having a girl, or even if she was a boy, it wouldn't matter, but a girl getting old enough where she can watch Disney cartoons with me. I love Disney cartoons, like older ones. And when I mean older ones, like the ones when I was a kid, so 20 years ago and back. And one of the movies that I really enjoy, I just think it's so funny, is Lilo and Stitch. There's a line in Lilo and Stitch that gets said multiple times throughout the movie by different characters. And, it's, and they go, Ohana. Ohana means family. And family means nobody gets left behind or forgotten. And I know this is going to sound super cheesy. I know this is going to sound super cliche, but I don't care. <laughs> when we are an intergenerational church, what that means is that we are family. And family means nobody gets left behind or forgotten. And that means our spiritually orphaned children. That means our shut-ins. And that means everybody in between. Being intergenerational, it's a choice. And it's a hard choice. But it is so important. Why? Because the church is the only entity that Christ has promised to build. And so when we invest in the different generations at Westway Christian Church, we are making an investment into the local church. When we choose to invest into the different generations here at Westway Christian Church, we are creating one unified body. When we invest in the generations here at Westway Christian Church, we are investing into our mission, which is to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. When we choose to invest in the different generations here at Westway Christian Church, we are investing into the future generations of kingdom workers that may not even be born yet. As I said earlier, this is Blessing Sunday, and so just here in a second, we're going to have the families come up. But before that, I want to speak just to the seniors. So once again, not to sound like a cheesy, go out into the world and conquer. But you guys are about to go out into the world on your own. And I don't know everybody's story or what you're going to do or where you're going to go or how God is going to lead you. But what I urge you to do is that I urge you when you go out is to find a church that strives to be an intergenerational church. 
I urge you to look for a church that's not going to look down on you just because you're young. But they value you for who you are because they understand the important role that you play for the kingdom. And I urge you to find a church that is going to involve you in their mission to proclaim Christ as Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you once again for you. We thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that your kingdom is an intergenerational kingdom, that you don't have age limits, you don't have age requirements, you don't say you can't join because you're only in third grade, wait till you're older. And Lord, I pray that Westway sees that, and I pray that the people here want to be intergenerational, that they want to serve you by serving others. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.